Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing our region's economy. Today is Monday, October 10th. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined once again today by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. In this episode, we're talking about the latest American Community Survey from the U.S. Census Bureau and what it tells us about who we are. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Jay, it's always a pleasure, and thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast again. For sure. Patrick, can you start off by telling us a little bit about what the American Community Survey, or ACS, actually is? Yeah, the American Community Survey is an instrument or survey tool that the U.S. Census Bureau introduced 15 or 20 years ago. In, in the old days, households would get what was called a long form on the survey and would ask a lot of detailed questions. And it only came out once every 10 years. The Census Bureau realized that was not adequate. So they set up the American Community Survey where it's done on an annual basis. It's a rolling survey throughout the year. And what they do is nine months after the year's over with, they release the results of the last year. And it gives us all sorts of great insight into demographics, social, economic, and even housing characteristics of the population. And the reason why the Census Bureau gathers is every question in the ACS that's asked is somehow tied to government funding or government policy. Questions about mobility help support highway funding. Questions about poverty help support funding in those areas. Uh, it's uh, probably one of the single most important data series the federal government puts together. And as far as us as, as economists and economic developers, it's an extremely useful tool for us to understand what's going on in our economy and how Houston compares to Phoenix or Atlanta or, or Dallas, because now we have the data to look at all the metro areas. Yeah, I told you previously, Patrick, I, this is actually something I look forward to seeing every year, this report, because it really kind of tells us, again, who we are, what our makeup is, if, if you will. And it's really kind of something that everyone who lives in the region should know about. Yeah, it, it, it's a snapshot of who we are. It tells us what is Houston or who is Houston. And what's nice is uh, if you're into photography, you look at a snapshot from maybe a birthday party you're at 10 years ago and uh, the snapshot from from the last birthday party you're at, you go, golly, look at how much everyone's changed. <laughs> I, I mean, the ACS does the same sort of thing. You look at where we were 10 years ago in the ACS, and you look at where we are today, and we see, gosh, how much Houston has changed. Absolutely. So to kind of dig into this, to start off with, uh, let's talk about the makeup of our population. You know, we tout Houston as the most diverse city in the country, and that that remains true. But how is our racial composition actually changing? Okay, let, let me start with numbers, and then I'll go to percentages. We have, as of 2021, there are roughly 2.8 million Hispanics in the metro area, 2.4 million whites or Anglos, 1.2 million blacks, just under 600,000 Asians. Uh, we're looking at those of multiple race, just over 200,000. So kind of put that in perspective, roughly 39% Hispanic, 33% white, 17% black, 8% Asian. And so we are definitely truly truly diverse. But as you touched upon earlier in the question, that has shifted over time. Uh, it, it's dramatically shifted actually over the last 20 years. If you go back to 2000, can I say 2000 zero? Let's just say the year 2000. <laughs> the year 2000, yeah. The year 2000. Now, Hispanics represented about 29% of the population. Now, as I said earlier, they're about 39% of the population. In the year 2000, Anglos whites represented about 49% of the population. Now they're about 33.2%. And so we've definitely seen in the people who live and work in Houston, 
become more diverse. We're a population that more of color and uh, just different backgrounds. And it's one of the things, as I always like to say, it's just made us uh, a much richer and more fun place to live, work, and, and, and do business. So in essence, as you said, Patrick, Houston is becoming less white and it's seeing an increase in the number of people of color, particularly its Hispanic population. What is actually contributing most to this change? Okay, there are two factors in play here. One is the nature of the populations themselves. In Houston, the white slash Anglo population tends to be older. A lot of them are no longer in, in childbearing years. And when they were in childbearing years, they did not have quite as many children. Uh, the Hispanic, the, the black populations, they tend to be younger and they tend, they're still in their childbearing age. And so that's why you continue to see the shift away. As far as the growth in, in the Asian population, uh, we're seeing a lot of people move here from Asia. And that's also the case for, for the Hispanic population as well. A lot of people have moved here from, from Latin America. So it's the two factors. It's those who are moving here and also the age makeup of the different population groups. Got it. So something we've talked about a few times before is Houston's large percentage of foreign-born residents. What do the latest numbers tell us about this particular segment of the population uh, right now? Okay, first, for others, just need to let you know, um, I have real close ties to this number because my wife is foreign-born. She's part of the number. Uh, and so if you want to know, we are at 24.1% of Houston's population was born outside the U.S. Think okay. about that. That's like saying one in four of those who live here in Houston was born outside the U.S. And that's actually gone up over the last 10 years. If you go back to 2011, it was 21.9. Or let's just say it's gone up roughly 2%. Mm. And, and that's, once again, I go back to the same thing I said earlier. That's one of the things which makes it such a rich and diverse and inviting community is uh, the, the large foreign-born population. And where are these folks actually coming from most? Can I be lazy and say all over? Okay. <laughs> no, I, I know our listeners want, want something better than that. Uh, once again, the beauty of the ACS is we can drill down and we can get some really deep insights. Uh, if you look at the largest contributor to Houston's foreign porn population is, is Mexico. Obviously, they're the closest country to us. Uh, of the, the 1.7 million people who live in Houston that were born outside the U.S., roughly 600,000 are from Mexico. Mm. You've got about 120,000 from El Salvador. You know, you'd expect Latin America, but then it shifts. We've got uh, 95,000 people were from Vietnam. 95,000 are from India. We've got over 62,000 from Nigeria. We've got over 50, close to 55,000 from Venezuela. So it's really all over. The one place that hasn't contributed a lot is actually Europe. Hmm. I mean, the, the country in Europe that has provided this most foreign-born residents is the United Kingdom. That's about 28,000. So think about that. Mexico sent 600,000 people here. The United Kingdom has sent us roughly 28,000. So interesting uh, to see where, where these folks are coming from. Uh, let's talk a little bit about age. What is the breakdown of our population's age now as compared to a decade ago? And are we getting older or younger? Oh, gosh, we are getting older. I hate to say that I'm getting older. AJ, you're getting older. We're all getting we are, older. We're all getting older. And what's the old joke? It, it beats the alternative. Getting getting older, I'd rather have that than the alternative. Yeah. Well, the Census Bureau, they, they break it down by different uh, brackets. 
And the size of the population under 20 has been shrinking. The size of the population over 65 has been growing. Hmm. If, if you want to go back to, to once again, 10 years ago, that makes the nice little snapshot that that party we were at 10 years ago. I, I hate to keep on throwing decimal points out, but, but in 2011, 30.5% of the population was under the age of 20. Now it's only 28.7%. Uh, if you go back 10 years ago, less than 9% of Houston's population was over the age of 65. Now it's over 12%. So it's part of it is, is people are living longer and also the, the decline of the birth rate among the younger generation. Okay. So we are getting older, but I'm curious how our median age compares to that of other major cities. Okay. Good question. And, and let me help the listeners understand the median age means that half of the population is under that age and exactly half the population is over that age. It's the, the midpoint. Uh, one way someone once told me how to understand median, it's like that thing that divides the highway. You've got two lanes on one side and two lanes on the other side, and they're in theory equal width. So but our median age of our population is 35.3 years. And that's gone up a, a, a couple months every year for the last 10 years. And all 35.3 may seem, I don't depending upon your perspective, young or old, of the nation's 50 most populous metropolitan areas, we have the second youngest median age. Interesting. Uh, and the, the only city or metro that has a median age younger than us out of that group is Salt Lake City, 33.6. And, and given if you understand something about Salt Lake City and the Mormon concentration there, that makes sense. Hmm. It, you know, if you want to go on the, the opposite end, number 50 out of those, Pittsburgh is 42.8. Just, just people aren't moving there and they're not having any more babies there hardly. Uh, places like Miami and Tampa that are, are 42 and 42.3% respectively. That makes sense because people are retiring there. Yeah. And, and if you want to know why is it important that we have a young median age? Well, it means there are still a lot of people uh, early in the workforce, just starting off their careers. There will be in the workforce for a long time. If you have a population with a, a an older median age that suggests that they're workforce is aging. They may age out. They might not be engaged in the economy uh, as long as someone who's significantly younger, like in Houston. And this speaks to what you mentioned at the very beginning, Patrick, that you know this kind of survey, this analysis really helps us understand our work uh, in economic development because this allows us to showcase to companies that are interested in expanding or relocating to our region that we have a workforce that is not only available today, but will likely be available in the years to come, right? Oh, yeah. The ACS is just an absolute incredible tool that we use in economic development. It's something we use for recruiting because it's, it's a very, it's a survey. Everything's done very standard methodology. It's, it's an apples to apples comparison and an oranges to oranges comparison. And one of the things we look at is like the educational attainment of Houston's population versus that of someplace like Jacksonville, Florida, or we look at something like uh, the number, I'm not going to talk about it now, but the number of Spanish speakers in Houston versus Spanish speakers in Phoenix. Uh, when you have companies that are looking to do business in Latin America, you know, it's better for them to locate someplace like Houston than look someplace like Phoenix. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Before we continue, Patrick, I want to take a moment to say thank you to our Bayou Business Download sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make today's podcast possible. Learn more about Fifth Third Bank and the services they provide at 53.com. 
That's the numbers 53.com. So Patrick, you mentioned it a minute ago, uh, and I want to kind of delve into this a little bit. On the education front, just how educated is our population, and are those numbers going in the right direction? Once again, AJ, this is one of the things I love about the American Community Survey, because it's it's a snapshot, and you compare the two snapshots. Uh, if you want to look at where we were 10 years ago, roughly 35 point, I shouldn't say roughly, we know 35.3% of the population had either an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, or a graduate degree. Maybe I should simplify that. 28.8%, just under 29%, had a bachelor's degree. We know now that in 2021, 35.9%, roughly 36%, had a bachelor's degree or higher. And so hmm. we've definitely become more educated. Two reasons for that. One is we're keeping people in school longer. But also, as I said, the older population was less educated. Uh, there was a time when all you needed was a high school diploma and you could have a good job in town. That's no longer the case. You have to have some sort of schooling beyond high school. And we're seeing that showing up in the numbers. Got it. So let's talk then about how we compare to other major cities uh, in terms of adults with bachelor's degrees or higher graduate level degrees oh gosh you would have to bring it up that's an area we don't we don't fare very well in aj i'm sorry to say now let, let's combine them and i say the important thing is to get some sort of education beyond high school so that could be an associate's degree a bachelor's degree or a graduate or professional degree 42.9 percent of the adult population have one of those degrees which sounds pretty impressive until you look at some place like san jose and it's close to 61 percent Hmm. Or, or San Francisco, which is 59%, or Austin, which shouldn't surprise us, 57%. But the thing is, our 42.9%, we don't even do as well as, as Milwaukee or Charlotte or Buffalo. I mean, of the top 50 metros, 50 ranked by population, we actually rank 40 out of 50. So although we're doing better, we still don't look well compared to our peers. So what does that tell us, Patrick, in terms of our efforts to educate more of our population. What, what, what does it tell our institutions of higher education, whether they be community colleges, four-year colleges, or, or, or others? Well, it's not, just, it's not just the institutes of higher education. It's, it's us. It's Houston in general. It's parents. It's, it's employers. We've got to convince. We've got to do the best to keep students in school as long as possible. And we've got to convince them that they need to, to finish high school. And we've got to convince them that they need to have some sort of education beyond high school. And at that point, it kind of gets handed off to the institutions of higher education. And the difference between the earning potential, and this is something we should do another program on, someone who has just a high school diploma or someone has an associate's degree, it's astounding over the course of their life. But it really says that we as a society have to, to do better. And not everyone has to go to college. Not everyone, not, not everyone's going to go to law school. Gosh, we don't want everyone to go to law school. God, think what a boring place this would be. <laughs> That's but, for sure. Yeah, but they have to do something other than just get out of high school. Yeah. And, and there are things that you can do that you don't have to sit in a classroom studying math for another another four years. You can get a degree or certificate repairing air conditionings or or auto mechanics or carpentry, or all sorts of things that you could do, which is going to get you substantial more earnings and doesn't require you to be in school another four years. 
Though, frankly, I can understand how some people have been in school for 12 years and they don't like the prospect of staying in school another four years. Then I have to stay in another four. They just need to stay in another another 12 months or, or maybe another 18 months. And then at the age of 21, they could be making some really nice money. Yeah, and it makes such a huge difference uh, to those of us who who did get that opportunity. Uh, and it's up to us to convince those coming up behind us that it, it is it is important. Uh, to wrap up, Patrick, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about something else I found particularly interesting in the latest report, and that's how folks are getting to work. How are commuting habits changing in Houston? Uh, we've definitely seen uh, a shift in commuting patterns. Uh, we had roughly 80% of the population driving to work alone by themselves in a car 10 years ago. Now that's dropped down to about 70%. But with the real shift, what has occurred is that what we've seen with uh, what the Census Bureau refers to, what we all refer to as working from home. If you go back to 2011, only one in 30 employees, one in, one in 30 people who had a job worked from home. Now that it's up to one in six. So we've definitely seen a shift. Part of that was taking place all along, but it was the pandemic which accelerated that. For sure, for sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. If sometime in the next uh, year you get a form from the Census Bureau called American Community Survey asking you to fill it out, please, please, please do it. It's such a vital source of information. It's always held confidential, but it does give us some insight as to who we are as Houstonians and also areas where we need to work on as, as, a, as a city, as a metro area, to improve the quality of life of our citizens and improve their opportunities to succeed. I hope somebody actually uh, sends me one of those forms. I'm, I actually want to participate. So if anybody out there in Census Bureau land is listening. All right, Patrick, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. AJ, it's always a pleasure. And once again, for our listeners, I hope that AJ and I are providing you with some insights that you can use to either make a better business decision or become more comfortable with the decision you've already made just have a better understanding of, of what's going on in Houston. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for this episode of Buy Your Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so via your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. There you'll also find links to recent data and news updates, and you can learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to make a difference in Houston. A special thanks again to our sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make this podcast possible. And thanks again to you for listening to Buy You Business Download.